Hello pod, I'm Chris Hewitt and welcome to the latest in our series of spoiler special podcasts and this one is a bit of a special one. We don't usually do spoiler specials dedicated to blockbusters or or any movie really until two or three weeks or so into their run. That's usually because we have interviews that we have agreed to sit on for an, an allotted amount of time and we'd like to let a movie have time to percolate. We're not doing that with this movie, (laughs) which is Spider-Man, Spider-Man, No Way Home. We're not doing that with Spider-Man, No Way Home. And that's for a number of reasons. One, that nobody from the movie is currently doing any interviews. And after having seen the movie, I can absolutely understand why. Two, we're just about to break for Christmas. So it was a question of get it in now or don't get it in at all. So that is why we are here. Despite the fact the movie hasn't even opened in the States by the time we are recording this, we are going to be discussing Spider-Man No Way Home because it has opened in the UK. And don't worry, it's a spoiler special, so it's all going to be liberally festooned with spoiler warnings. So do not listen to this, for the love of Christ, if you have not watched (laughs) Spider-Man No Way Home. Because we are going to be talking about third act revelations, second act revelations, (laughs) and it's been a long time since I've seen a movie with so many revelations, including first act revelations. What the fuck? There's so many revelations. Anyway, my Spider-Man No Way homies are my three colleagues of such lethal cunning. We are joined, of course, by Helen O'Hara. Hello. Amon Warman. Hello. And Ben Travis. Hello. Guys, 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 (laughs) guys. We should talk about portals. Hey. Yes, we should. At so last. many portals. <laughs> <sighs> portals are a thing of beauty. It was, it was Scott Derrickson, wasn't it, who came up with the the portals? You know, yeah. every time there's a portal now in a Marvel movie, and it brings just as this just this eruption of joy, which it did in Avengers Endgame, and now here in Spider Man No Way Home, the sound of a portal should be accompanied by a kerching, and that kerching <laughs> should be the money that is being deposited into Scott. Derrickson and C. Robert Cargill, his co-writer's uh, account uh, for coming up with that. If indeed they did come up with that, if they didn't come up with that, then take the money off and give it to someone else. That's what I say. But they should be paid royalties for the love of God, because when a portal opens now in a Marvel movie, good shit happens. The best shit. Discuss. Even if the portal doesn't close, it's a good portal. <laughs> That's not the portal's fault. They're all good portals, Ben. They're all good portals. 14 out of 10, I would give these portals <laughs> because of the truly bountiful gift that they gave us. Um, that is a recommendation. It is a recommendation. 14 out of 10 is a recommendation, Amon. Yes, this is true. <laughs> 13 out of 10, not so much, but 14 out of 10, yes. Um, it's a spoiler special. Let's not beat around the bush any longer than we have to because these portals confirmed what we had long suspected about this movie that it would not just see Peter Parker. Tom Holland's Peter Parker go up against some of the bad guys from previous movies uh, outside the MCU, the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies, the Mark Webb Spider-Man movies, but that at some point we might just get a glimpse of some other Spider-Men played by actors past. <laughs> and there we are, right there. What is mm-hmm. it, about an hour and a half into the movie? One portal is opened by Ned, and we'll be talking about that. That's for mm-hmm. that's for damn sure. One portal is opened by Ned, and a Peter Parker appears, and it is Andrew Garfield to be followed almost immediately by a, a tumultuous reception in both the screenings and that I've seen this movie in now, uh, and then followed just a few minutes later by Toby Maguire. Mm. And honestly, guys, I <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I turned to Ben at one point 
during the uh, during the just after Tobey Maguire had appeared, and I went, I think Ben, all objectivity has gone out the window for me now. <laughs> I, I I am deeply in love for this movie, and deeply in love with how this movie made me feel. Um, it has flaws, and we'll explore maybe those flaws, but mainly it's going to be gushing, uh, gushing over Spider Man. It's going to be well good everywhere. Oh god! And, oh, no. uh, just in your wrists, and, right, Chris? Yeah, I, I and I, I realize I'm talking an awful lot. And I will let you guys talk in a second, but I just want to basically what I'm trying to set up is just how joyous and how joyful mm. this movie made me feel, and how joyful that reveal made me feel. And and now you guys can say something. Well, not only did you, <laughs> as you were sitting next to me, as you said, turn around and say, "All objectivity's gone out the window," and there was so much clapping and cheering. Also, Amon was sat in the seat in front of you, and you reached over and shook him in his chair. You gave him the full 4DX experience of Chris Hewitt's excitement, <laughs> which was a wonderful thing. It was a lovely time. But that- it was I after after the screening. I honestly, I, oh god, I know, I'm doing it again. I'm doing it again. But that's just no, what this go, movie is doing to it. me. I I I came out of the screening and I haven't felt like that at anything that's not a football match for a long time. You know, like this was the equivalent. This movie is the equivalent of Mo Salah smacking it into the net from thirty yards in the last minute to win the big truck. The big the big truck. The big truck. To win the big the big truck. To win the big truck. You know, that's what all it's what all football teams want to win at the end of the day. It's what we're here for, Brian. We're over the moon. We've won the big truck and we're delighted with it. And now we're gonna drive around in it. So at the end of at the end of at the end of the movie, I felt like I had won the big truck. And we came out, we were outside the Cine World in Leicester Square and um, we, 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 I, I embraced Amon three separate times over in a period of about 20 minutes. I just, I sought him out in a crowd and we embraced and it was a beautiful, beautiful thing. It was, it's it was true. amazing. And I think, do you know what it, I think it goes to? I think it goes to the fact that we all like, if we didn't know those were coming, we very strongly suspected it. Like, you know, we very, very, very much expected to see those two people. And yet the euphoria was real. It kind of goes to show that spoilers actually often aren't really. And and actually all the speculation you might say was a spoiler, but knowing that it was definitely going to happen, I don't think would have made a huge difference. I um, I think it would have. I don't, but like we we like who didn't expect that? We all expected it, and yet it was the way it happened. It's how it, you know. It's the fact of it happening. It's seeing it happen. It's yeah. the way that they interact when they get there. That's what matters. That's what the story is. That's what the emotion is. Well, my wife didn't know. So so we saw it at a press screening the other night at the Sydney World Leicester Square and then last night Helen and I and my wife follow, went to see it at the local cinema again packed audience and afterwards like whenever Andrew Garfield appeared I looked to follow and her mouth was agape and she was just she was just, <laughs> so in, she was just <laughs> transfixed and then Toby <laughs> Maguire appears and the same thing and Afterwards, I was like, did you know? And she was like, no, no, I had no idea. And I was like, well, I, I'm pretty sure I'd been talking about speculation. She was like, I wasn't listening. So that's, you know, that's, that's a little insight into our marriage there. But but I think there are people who are genuinely going to be watching this movie who will have no idea yeah. that this is going to happen. And my God, that must blow their minds. It yeah, blew mine. Good. And I was, kind of, I was expecting it. But the yeah. second that, you know, the portal opens and we see... And they go, Peter, Peter, and it's a, and you're like, it's, it's Spider-Man. Too tall. It's too tall. Too yeah. tall. The too eyes thin. are different on the, <laughs> the suits. The eyes are different. Mm. Yeah. 
he turned he turns the camera and Ben, do you remember I started nudging you going, holy shit, holy here shit, holy shit. Here we, here we, here we fucking go. Yeah, that was the moment that all objectivity started to go, not just out the window, but out the fucking portal for me. And there you go, done. And let someone else speak. The way I sat all the way, I like, <laughs> I, was, I was like, I was, I was, I was lent back in my seat when the portal opened, when the portal opened, I was like, hold on. And I went, I literally pulled myself up and I went, leaned forward, like, hold on. As if on. that's going to help you see better. <laughs> I know, but that is just what I did. But you know, this film, I think, you know, in the months leading up to it, I've been the one expressing the most doubts about this film. I remember speaking to all of you on separate occasions, like, is this film going to be able to pull it off? Uh, how, how are they going to juggle everything? Are they going to be able to focus on uh, Peter's Tom Holland? Are they going to take into account the villain's arts and not just have it be fan service? That was the older mon. That was the flawed mon, you know, <laughs> mistakes were made. The, the mon that sits before you now has seen the light. The truth has set him free. And the truth, ladies and gentlemen, is that this might be my favorite live action Spider-Man movie. And I did Whoa. not expect to come mm. out of this movie saying that. But I've seen it twice now and it might be true. I love it. I mean, in terms of that moment with the portal, that when when you clock what is happening, it is glorious. But for me, yeah. the bit for me that made all objectivity fly out the window was about thirty seconds after that. Where, lest we forget, we have pivoted from some of the saddest shit we've seen in a Marvel movie, mm-hmm. like yeah. ever mm-hmm. a scene that crushed me and made me feel really intentionally very bad and i was like oh i i think this is working in a great way because i feel extremely bad right now but maybe right now is something i don't want to feel is extremely bad and then (laughs) 30 seconds later not only is andrew garfield in the scene but mj is making him crawl around the ceiling to prove that he's spider-man and ned's mum is making him get a little cobweb out of the corner of the room and just that shit just sent me over the edge i was like crying laughing it was absolutely glorious the film definitely had me with that scene but for me the moment that made all objectivity (laughs) fly out the window was about 30 minutes after that scene when you have three spider-men in their suits running into battle in unison using the webs in midair to help each other out and then landing in a perfect spider pose oh my god what that bit was i mean it was that was joyful (laughs) it was so it was so joyful it was just magnificent amon did all objectivity fly out the window like thor flew into wakanda and smashed it up in infinity war you know i knew this question was coming (laughs) there are levels to this and that moment was definitely a top five MCU moment. It's not, it's not troubling Thor and Wakanda yet, but I, you know, it, it was, it's the scene that I was waiting for when I watched it a second time. When I watch it a third, fourth, or fifth time, when it comes on streaming, I'm just, you know, forget the you know, other two hours for a second. Let me just skip to that scene and replay it a few times. That is what I'm going to do um, oh. because it's just incredible. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll not be getting enough of that. Anytime soon. It, it's not quite. It's not quite. Cat picking up the hammer, but it's <laughs> it's it's much closer than I expected it to be. It's really I don't know. Much I don't know. I, I watched. I loved watching those three guys swing. That was that was great. Uh, unexpected <laughs> right, departure wow, for a Marvel a, movie, gosh, but <laughs> there you go. Uh, Hell's bells. At what yeah. point, if at all, 
Mm-hmm. Obviously, because you are you are more reserved than us. You know, we oh, are slightly. we are yeah. we are very very stupid people, and uh, <laughs> and uh, we are much given to uh, losing our shit. You, of course, are you know mm. bastion Restrained. of emotional and emotional emotional bastion <laughs> of emotional invincibility. At what point, if at all, did? The objectivity go out the window for you. Oh God, <laughs> I was, I was there. I mean, I was. Look, I, I absolutely adore um, Tom Holland's Spider Man. Uh, we've talked about this a lot, but I just think he's, he's such a good person. I, you know, like morally good. I just, I, 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 you know, he is a sweet cinnamon bun, and we must protect him at all costs. Kind of good, <laughs> you know. He's just wonderful. Um, but I was very, very, very pro Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man. I just thought the film around him was a bit shit. So mm. I, I was very pleased to see him. I like Andrew Garfield as a screen presence. I think he's got just, a, again, a lovely warm energy. And he then does. seeing Tobey Maguire come in. I mean, those films blew me away back in the day. They absolutely blew me blew me away. I thought they were fantastic. Seeing him again... And with his much more reserved energy, but it works so well in contrast to these two younger guys. It's such a sort of slightly older and wiser, not Peter B. Parker, because he he doesn't have that no. kind of chaotic edge to him. <laughs> yeah. Frankly, he's yeah. he's a lot more kind of calm and and like he's he's seen some shit, man. He has seen some shit. He has he been has. through the mill, and he has sort of probably got into meditation or yoga or something. Like, but he has come yeah. out the other side and. That energy playing off the other two and all of them kind of helping each other a little bit and and helping them see their own core or something. I just, I loved it so much. I loved (laughs) that you were seeing three variations on the essential goodness of Peter Parker as a person. This is going to be a very alliterative podcast, um, <laughs> and and I think I think it was so powerful in terms of seeing the character in the same way that that scene in uh, in Spider Verse where they all kind of challenge Miles to to take the leap, you know, and and they're all saying like that's what you have to do, that's what it is to be Spider Man, and then he does, but it's 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 that moment was kind of the whole relationship between the three of them in this film and i i i loved it i loved it i love that i always wanted a brother line which mm. isn't quite right but it also is it's just oh they were so great they yeah. were so great together we we were all waiting and expecting and speculating that we might see these guys together on the screen and they could have done it for one scene they could have had it just be a cool action moment and we would have squeed and we would have cheered and that mm. would have been enough that would have been cool that would have been exciting the amount that they did with this the amount of conversations we get between different kind of peter's parkers and (laughs) the way that they as helen said incorporate not just their similarities but their differences and and spun them against each other and and had them play off each other and share those experiences and talk about what makes them the same talk about what makes them different was just beautiful. I'm so glad they were in the film as much as they were because I don't know if you'd have asked me in advance if I wanted that, I wouldn't have been sure. But actually, mm. this wasn't just fan service. It wasn't just fan service for the sake of fan service, which also I don't think is as bad a thing as people sometimes make out. But it wasn't just that. It had substance to it. It did. And it was so much about what the rest of the film is in terms of the second chances, of ter- in terms of yeah. like when. Andrew Garfield is sort of in tears because he's saved uh, Zendaya's MJ from falling down. That is obviously a redemptive moment for his Peter Parker because of what happened for Gwen Stacy. Oh, God. But that boy, destroyed did me. that feel like a redemptive moment for 
Andrew Garfield and the kind of mm. shitty experience yeah. he had with those yeah. Spidey films of this character that he loved and always wanted to play and did a great job of playing but in films that were misguided and he knew that and he's spoken about his frustration of how that was handled and to get to make this glorious return he he must have known how good this material was they all must have done yeah, mm. yeah no they don't say yes to this if the material isn't up to scratch I don't think I'm not so sure about that. I think a big old uh, a, a truck beep, filled of beep, cash might have beep. might have helped. A bag helps. They, a bag yeah, helps for sure. They, they won the truck of money. I mean, <laughs> I mean this is the thing. It's like yeah, yeah. I, I one day, one day they might pull back the curtain on exactly how they made this happen. Uh, I think the incredibly strange vanity credit that is given to Avi Arad may have something to do with it, um, which is weird. It felt like an obit <laughs> during the credits. Something like, big shout out to the original true believer, what, Stan Lee? No, Avi Arad. Okay, all right, okay, I get it. You know, listen, you know, I like Avi Arad. He's fantastic. And without him, genuinely, we wouldn't have, we wouldn't be here. We wouldn't yeah, be here talking yeah. about these movies. So, but it was a strange credit. And I wonder if that played some part in opening the doors perhaps mm. to to this movie happening but the machinations how they how they did this how they got Tobey Maguire who was essentially retired from acting to come back mm. not just to act again but to play Spider-Man again how the hell do you do that yeah. Kevin Feige and Amy Pascal's negotiating powers must be <laughs> legendary I just get them on Mo Salah's new contract seriously <laughs> but I think I mean I think it is also I think it also does go to story I think you know I, yeah. I, yeah, look I don't want to romanticise Hollywood too much I know that money is a very important factor as well but, but I do think that the fact that you can kind of rely on them to do this and, and as Ben kind of says, it's not just fan service. It is also storytelling. Fan service is fine as long as you're you're telling a good story. You know, as long as you're not breaking your story in order to do the cool thing that the fans want. Um, you know, okay, fan service, for example, is putting Venom in Spider-Man Three. That was fan service because yes. the fans all wanted that, but they broke the story to do it, so it was a bad mm. idea. It, in this, yes, the fans wanted to see if we were going to have a multiverse, let's see the other Spider-Man. Um, but they they made that a key element of the story. They made it the heart and the core of the story. Mm -hmm. They used it to do something for all of these Spider-Men. So they gave some kind of closure, some kind of redemption to the older Spider-Men. And they they gave something to the one we now have. They, they helped him through a difficult time. So mm -hmm. it just... It works on so many levels. And that that moment of redemption for Garfield, I know I sort of speculated on that when we saw the trailer, but I'm so, so glad that they actually did it. I, I thought it was so important and it absolutely made me cry. It was such a beautiful moment. And uh, yeah, I have to say that this movie was, it, it, I teared up several times yeah. during this movie. Yeah, sometimes it was because of, I was genuinely saddened by what was happening on screen, the death of Aunt May. Mm. Nobody saw that coming, I think. I think that's pretty much fair to say. Um, yeah, Helen, who's got a bit of a Helen tingle when it comes to twists, might have seen it coming from minute five, but I don't think so. Okay, okay, you put your Helen tingle away, and then there's <laughs> you know, but there are moments that just make me genuinely tear up with a kind of childlike glee mm. and a and a and a joy. And but but the, the Andrew Garfield saving <laughs> the Andrew Garfield the Andrew Garfield <laughs> Peter Parker saving MJ moment was a bit of both mm. because he. If you go back and you look at the Amazing Spider-Man and the Amazing Spider-Man Two, is what we what we've kind of been saying that he's great in them both as Peter Parker and as Spider-Man, but he's not well served in the material and not well served in the, by the by the film around him. But that said, I think he also 
I don't know whether it was about second chances or whatever, or whether he just wanted to bring some sort of weird energy to the role. From the moment he appears on screen, he is just enormously fun to watch. Mm. Uh, but he's also very raw and emotional. Yeah. And, you know, in that moment where he's talking about losing Gwen when they're on the rooftop and they meet Peter, uh, our, you know, our Peter, Tom Holland, Peter, for the first time. And they're talking about the people that they've lost in their lives. And he's talking about Gwen and his ears, the, the tears spring to his eyes so easily mm-hmm. and so readily. And that moment when he's saving, when he saves MJ and you can just feel everything that he feels. He's such a good actor. He is so yeah. really, so great. And so that moment just worked tremendously well for me. And uh there's so much else going on here from a from a from a point of view. Going back to Helen's idea about fan service. Fan service is you, uh, also you you open a portal, a Spider Man steps through, he takes off his mask. It's Andrew Garfield. Oh my God, that's fan service. What comes next is where the movie is is lost or won, and it's won because, as you say, they give these characters import and they give them meaning and they give them significance and back in the day whenever we were talking about this movie back when the when the, when the first whispers started to come out that this might be doing something like this if you remember the very first thing i think was jamie fox was not announced but was speculated mm-hmm. about that he was going to be in the movie as electro you know, I'd be very interested. I'm not going to do it, but people can can do so if they want to. But I'd be very interested to go back to old episodes of the Empire Podcast because I'm sure we pretty much right there and then said that that's what this is going to be. This is going to be basically live action Spider Verse, and I would not be surprised to see Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire show up at some point. That that is absolutely going to happen. But to do that and then to you know to to actually have it mean something mm. that's. That's really, that's really clever. Game. Yeah. That's it. That's it right there. I mean, in terms of Garfield, just look at like the wild year he's having as well. He's incredible in Tick, Tick, Boom. And I think in terms yep. of you say that his performance in this, the stuff that he's been doing lately or that he's been doing since his Spider-Man stuff went away, he has been mm. doing these like wild, interesting things. Like I didn't love Under the Silver Lake, but he's amazing in that. And it's just a weird yeah. movie that he gets to let loose. And he's been doing that kind of thing a lot. And for him to get to come back and not have the weight of carrying this movie and just get to be even more of this performer that he is now while still getting to be Spider-Man and getting to be funny. And as you say, getting to be raw and emotional as well. That must have been the dream call for him. Yeah. Fun fact, I actually spoke to Andrew Garfield the day before this screening. I, and I asked about Spider-Man. I have never been so happy to be lied to in my life. <laughs> God bless him. Thank you God for lying, Tom Holland. Thank you for lying, Andrew Garfield, because... It made those moments all the more sweet. I mean, that program, he's, he's promoted, what, four different films uh, this mm-hmm. year? Yes. Um, mm-hmm. The Eyes of Tammy Faye as well, which uh, which he's fantastic in. And uh, I think he's been asked more about Spider-Man probably than <laughs> than Tom Holland, frankly, at this point. Uh, you know, yeah. so, uh, yeah, well done him for keeping the secret. There's a famous appearance he did. Well, I say famous, I know it. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to call it famous. But there's the appearance he did on Josh Horowitz's Happy, Sad, Confused podcast back in June, where Josh put an excerpt of it out on the web, which was him basically going, look, Andrew Garfield, Spider-Man No Way Home, what can you tell me about it? And he's like, I can't tell, I don't know anything about it, man. I've, you know, I've got nothing to do with it, nothing to do with me. I, what, what, what is it? And uh, he's like, look me in the eye and tell me you're not in this movie. And he's like, I'm not in the movie. Look at me. Look at my eyes. I'm not in the movie. I'm, you know, I think he even swears in someone's life, so they're now dead. And... 
It's absolutely wild. And someone where we were queuing up for this went, if he's in this movie, that should be his Oscar campaign clip. That, that right there, because that shows that he may well be the best actor on the planet. Having said that, I interviewed Tom Holland and Kevin Feige and Emmy Pascal and John Watts and the whole kit and caboodle for the magazine for the cover feature. And I did the same thing. I looked him straight in the eye, admittedly over Zoom, so I'm not sure it's legally binding. And I went, you know, Andrew Garfield, Toby Maguire, were you on set with them? And Tom Holland looked me right in the eye. This is a man who opens his mouth and he's like a pest dispenser of spoilers and the spoiler falls out and he went no you lying fucker (laughs) I'm so angry now but it's mixed with a weird joy don't know. God bless it's a strange them. experience. God bless them, everyone, honestly. <laughs> and we have another, by the way, addition to the list of superhero Christmas movies. Yeah. Right. Yes, we do. With yes, Batman we do. Returns and Iron Man 3. Good and everyone. Yes. Indeed. <laughs> Feels more like an afterthought here, but that's, that's fine. It doesn't, yeah. Hand wave, hand wave, hand wave. Yeah. There's a lot of hand waving in this movie, literally and figuratively. We, we may get to that. But uh, the one thing I was going to say, and I completely lost a run of my, my thoughts there, was. Uh, you know, one thing I've been saying constantly on the podcast is that should Garfield in particular show up in this movie, that it would almost mark a sort of rehabilitation tour, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in that you, you think of Andrew Garfield and you go, oh, I liked him as Peter Parker. But then you go, oh, but the movies he was in. Oh, no. And they killed Gwen Stacy. And they killed Gwen Stacy and, look, and they made so Gwen many Stacey bad decisions. dies in so many, you know, spider comics and and and, and it, almost as soon as they called her Gwen Stacy, that was almost written in the stars, yeah. you know. But yeah. they had such great chemistry, such they amazing did. chemistry on screen. They had such a beautiful relationship on screen that there just seemed to be no way back after that. Uh, no way home, <laughs> if you will, for that no. Spider-Man. Um, and, and I genuinely think that killed his franchise. I really, really do. That, that decision to kill off Gwen Stacy, mm-hmm. there was no way that you could go into a third film and expect a wisecracking light Peter Parker. You could not, you, we were not ready as an audience to watch him find new love with a with a MJ of his own, we just were not there, and um, and so it was kind of he was left, I think, genuinely up the creek without a paddle, and it it did mm-hmm. feel very unfair to his performance, and so yeah, so I do think this was a redemption of sorts. Do you think? Do you think this is kind of setting up a potential further appearances? Because I'll say a couple of reasons. First of all, the thing about pulling his punches, um, you know, he, he stopped pulling his punches. So there's a kind of, mm-hmm. there is more redemption to come for him. You have to mm-hmm. hope that having now saved this MJ, that he goes back to his own reality with maybe a, a renewed sense of purpose and renewed yes. sense of hope. And also there was just a sense that maybe this isn't the end for the two of them. What do you think? Here's my thinking on this. And it would not surprise me if I'm, spectacularly wrong uh, because I frequently am but here's my thinking on this they may also be waiting to see how this thing played honestly and if anyone was in a room any Marvel suit or any Sony suit or anyone from Disney who was trying to gauge reaction to this sort of stuff all you have to do is be in a room when Garfield takes off his mask because the sheer vociferousness of the response in both screenings I've been to, one with film journalists, one with, you know, regular folks. Um, not, you know, that makes it sound like we're superheroes. We're not. Although, you know, we are kind of heroes when you think about it, really. But, you know, filled with regular pain punters, right? Both reacted in the same way, as if the Beatles had turned up. And, you know, part of that is, you know, just the the audacity of having two Spider-Men in one movie. And that's a, that's a big thing. 
but also a part of it was like you could just feel like there was a love for that version of the character. Maybe not so much the movies, but maybe a love for that version of the character. And again, maybe everyone's like, in a way, saying thank you because because your movies tanked so hard. That's what led us ultimately to this <laughs> to this to this situation. That's what led us to Tom Holland and the MCU and you know the, the Sony and Marvel shaking hands across the divide and all that sort of stuff. So all that that would not have happened had Gwen Stacy not died. So her sacrifice was not in vain. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> But yeah. but I was watching that and watching engaging the reaction to Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man arriving. Tobey Maguire is a whole different thing. I'm very aware we've done almost half an hour. We haven't even mentioned Tom Holland or anything else that happens in this movie. <laughs> this is why we may be doing more than one of these spoiler specials, folks. <laughs> but gauge the reaction to him. And I would not be surprised if this is the strategy going forward. Mm. Tom Holland's Peter Parker will remain exclusively in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. He will be in team up movies. He will be in MC. He will be uh, in Avengers movies. He will have Spider Man four, five, and six going forward, and that's what he will be doing. Andrew Garfield might well be doing some movies, some Spider Man movies, in as part of the sadly no longer named Spumpk. Uh, so I, I, you know, honestly, I would be kind of there for that if that were to happen. I I want that for him. I also wonder how. Andrew Garfield would feel about doing more Sony Spider-Man movies without Kevin Feige because I think mistakes were made with that franchise. (laughs) Spider-Man mistakes were made. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, enough said there really, isn't it? I I just wonder... I would love to see more of him and and it does feel like a gift to Sony saying, hey, we brought this incarnation of this character back to life in a way that people will be desperate for more of him. Um, And... I want to see that, but do I necessarily want the people who have just so far only really been in charge of Venom and Venom Let There Be Carnage to be in charge of that character again? I hey, Morbius don't... looks good. Uh, does it though? <laughs> Every day is Christmas Eve and it nearly is Christmas Eve, mm-hmm. but even on right. actual Christmas Eve, I'm not sure I can still believe <laughs> that Morbius will be. <laughs> ben, nobody's sticking Morbius on on Christmas Eve. That's not, that's not the movie you want to... Herald That's, Christmas no. Day with. As a Christmas movies expert, I can tell you that is not a Christmas movie, <laughs> even if it happens at Christmas. No. <laughs> I I would be there for it because I want to see more of Andrew Garfield, but I don't think they're going to go that route. Honestly, I think they're going to put Peter Parker to... They're going to have him sort of off-screen for... In the last, like, four years, we've had, like, five films with Peter Parker? We've had... No, so six years. So you had him in Civil War, mm-hmm. Homecoming, mm-hmm. Infinity War, mm-hmm. Endgame, mm-hmm. Far From Home, and now this. You win a prize. Last, that, that, that's a lot of Peter Parker. And as 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 good as you know Tom Holland is, I feel like he wants to do other stuff too. With both this film and what they're doing with the games, Miles Morales is there and mm-hmm. waiting for a chance to come to live action. And the, he's primed and ready. And I feel like the world is ready to see that, given the reception mm-hmm. to, into the Spider-Verse, given the reception to the games, which some, some of the game stuff come into this film and as, as, as a game, I, I love seeing that. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I feel like that is where the focus should lie for the next few years. And then at some point down the line, have a live action film with Peter Parker and Miles Morales, I think. And given the reaction to the uh, Electro conversation with yes. with Andrew Garfield, Peter, <laughs> last night, 
which I was may have yelled. yeah you were not alone and you were and and at the at the screening that Chris and I went to last night there was also applause for that moment so yeah, you know yeah, I think there's I, there's a real appetite <laughs> I exhibited precisely zero chill at the press screen <laughs> yes. by the way um I Someone was like yeah, you. I was <laughs> I was doing everything uh, the whole the whole kit and caboodle um but uh, but yeah I think I yelled damn straight um, at that uh, Jamie Fox. I loved so. Garfield's uh, reaction to that which is a very very white guilt sorry <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm, I'm really sorry you know I'm going to try and do better I'm so sorry uh, but were you surprised that there was no Miles Morales in this movie I was maybe expecting no, a little no. cameo I was hoping maybe I, I like, no, you don't introduce Miles Morales like this film was One very much about. simply the, introduce Miles Morales. <laughs> this film was very much about, you know, the legacy of Spider-Man over the last yeah. twenty years on live action. You, you know, Miles Morales is going to be part of that very soon, but you don't sort of introduce him at the same time as you're doing all of this. I don't think uh, when he's established and when he's good and ready to go, that is when you bring everything else in around him. I thought they Fair might enough. because uh, in the credits, as we were waiting for the second credit sequence in the special thanks one of the names came up and it was brian michael bendis and i was like oh mm. shit oh shit here we go obviously it didn't end up being <laughs> that but for for about 30 seconds before that second uh post-credit sting came i was like this is gonna be it this is gonna be it i'm, I'm ready for that whenever they want to do it especially because mm. the wrinkle here i guess if we're talking about spider-man no way home as a christmas movie peter parker sort of does it's a wonderful life himself out of everyone's lives um so then it it maybe opens up uh a possibility i'm really intrigued of where they leave everything here of of what they're going to do next um and how they leave peter and (laughs) spider-man in this so many so many questions and and logical concerns Mm. and and Mm -hmm. massive plot holes in that as there are in the beginning of the movie sorry helen i'm going to do a spell to make you forget there you go okay (laughs) I will say, by the way, uh, if we're talking about what we could do with Andrew Garfield in the future and the need to introduce Miles Morales properly, here's a thought. He could be the Peter A. Parker to Miles Morales live action. He could. He right? absolutely could. And, uh, you know, that's not forget that the end of this movie is Spider-Man swinging through a snow-laden New York at Christmas, uh, which and which brought to mind Into the Spider-Verse. Yeah. And, you know, there's a lot that brings to mind into the Spider-Verse, obviously, in this film. But even the last shot of the movie, which is, you know, which is Spidey diving towards the camera, the last the, gl- the, the glimpse, the last glimpse of the spider eyes seems to be animated. I'm not sure exactly mm-hmm. what we should read into that, if indeed anything. But, you know, I'm on. I don't think that Peter Parker is going to be taking a, a, a side. I don't think he's going to be sidelined in the MCU over the next few years. Yes, Tom Holland's contract is famously up, but uh, all you need is a really good lawyer, and they've got one now. <laughs> and, yes, we do. And, awesome. and he'll be oh, back gosh. in business. I think, you know, they're setting him up. He fulfills an awful lot of roles. You know, his scientific genius takes a Tony box. There's, you know, he's just too darn adorable. And I think the movie, even though he seems to be relatively at peace to an extent with his decision at the end of the movie, the way he leaves MJ and Ned behind, you know, because Peter Parker's not allowed to be happy in any of these movies, ultimately, uh, I think there's too many dangling threads for him to be to be left off so the table. Many. He is so many dangling yeah. threads. He is gonna be front and center of the MCU going forward, I think. But as a mentor, I, I would say to Miles. We were speaking about this before the screening that night, but if they were to sort of you know, continue doing stuff with Tom Holland, which I would, which I would be here for, 
it would give us something which I don't really think we've seen in this genre, which is seeing a character, especially like a massive character like Spider-Man, aging from a you know teen to a man mm. uh, on screen, uh, which would be very, very interesting to see. And there are a number of sort of um, comments which, you know, have adults Spider-Man, which are really, really cool. I, I could see this version of Spider-Man becoming a teacher yeah. at a school and then doing the Spider-Man thing on the side, which, you know, would watch. Here's a question. Sure, I mean, so. we're assuming that Tom Holland is telling the truth about his contract. I'm just saying people yeah, sure. in this... Yeah, in the this... eye and lie, the motherfucker. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. just saying, <laughs> Absolutely. I can't believe anything these people say. Is it all true? No, but... Um, Why not? Yeah, I think I think I, I don't I don't see them easily giving him up because I think he's such a huge asset. He's an amazing uh, take on that character, as as I've said, and and I think they would be fools to keep to let him go if they can possibly keep him. And if he's willing to keep doing it, I think he's just magnificent in the role. Yeah, I do have so many questions though about the ending and the <laughs> beginning. I just so many. Ask them. Ask oh. them. Okay, so like, like at the ending, everybody knows that Spider Man exists, right? Mm-hmm. They, they presumably mm-hmm. remember what Spider Man has done, so they know that Spider Man yes. was yes. there at yes. the end game, for example. Yes. Okay, so can't he just uh-huh. spitballing here uh-huh. swing up to Bleecker Street? Yes. Knock on the door. Hey, it's me, Spider Man. You remember we fought Thanos together? Yes. Call me Steven. Cool. Then. Hey, let me just take off my hat mm-hmm. here. Hi, this is my face. My name is Peter Parker. Yeah. Let me ex- let me tell you a story for a minute about some shit that went down. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, Doctor Strange would be able to selectively undo the spell at that point, but at least he'd have one person to start with. Mm. Why can't he reintroduce himself to people? Yes. As Spider-Man. This is one of the things where I think the movie you ride on this wave of emotion through the yes. movie and the movie you know Watts and his his writers um, McKenna and Summers and of course everyone who produced the movie Kevin Feige and Amy Pascal want that wave of emotion to carry you out of the cinema out through the lobby into the street onto the public <laughs> transport probably back into your home before you wake up and go, what the fuck? <laughs> really? <laughs> Hang on a second. Wait a second. Whoa, 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 whoa. You know, I love this movie, but why? Never mind him going to Bleecker Street and talking to Doctor Strange, right? You know, after a few weeks. Yeah. Why does he just hang around and wait for the spell to kick in? And then when MJ and Ned, which presumably is what will happen, go, hey, what the fuck are we doing on the Statue yes. of Liberty? Why is it destroyed? And then he goes, hey, you're not going to believe this, but and it's then me, the Spider-Man. wizard comes down. Yes. Yeah. yeah, it's me. I'm Spider-Man. I'm your best friend, but yeah. you won't remember me because I've erased myself from existence. Um, but even then, I'm not sure exactly how that works. Does Peter Parker, is he expunged from all records and all data? Or mm. is it just people who knew him who don't remember yeah, that I mean, he was part of their lives? In his, in his box when he's unpacking in his new apartment, which, by the way, he... he must have some money from somewhere because I know that it's not... It's meant to be a shitty looking apartment, but it's a... Central New York, you know, <laughs> yeah. f- bit of space that is bigger than a single bed. So he's paying quite yeah. a lot for that. Um, well, presumably the Aunt the Aunt May will. Um, yeah, Aunt May will. Will okay. he be recognised? Will he be recognised in the will? Like I'm Peter well, Parker. Like how do you know? Yeah, because because yeah. Happy doesn't seem to know she had a she had a nephew, for example. So I'm not sure where he's getting the money, but fine. I'm glad that he has it. Anyway, in his box there is a GED test. So he's planning to take his essentially high school graduation equivalency test. That's what that is. Um, mm. So I think he has lost all of his school records as well. I think Peter Parker has been sort it's of erased. Yeah. yeah. 
See, that's 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 interesting if, if that is the case, uh, you know, because but it, you know, there's lots of questions, aren't there? Like, so Happy goes up to the graveside and he goes, "How did you know him? How did you know her? Oh, through Spider Man. What about you? Through Spider Man? And hang on, but how did you know through Spider Man? Mm-hmm. Happy, because if you knew, because the way that Tony got to Spider Man was through Peter Parker, so. You knew that Peter Parker was Spider Man. It's not like Spider Man's identity was some sort of great enigma for you. So, you know, it might be one of those things where people just have this mental block in their yeah. heads that they remember a Spider Man. They remember hanging out with a Spider Man. They may even remember going drinking with a Spider Man. But if you ask them who the Spider Man was, they wouldn't be able to tell you. Mm. You saying mental block? Like, I don't know how long we're going to have to wait. But if Peter Parker were to meet a powerful telepath. <laughs> I mean, I don't, look, X-Men are not confirmed, okay? Before before Ben says it, I'm just going to head that off at the pass. X-Men not confirmed, all right? X-Men not um, confirmed on the Empire podcast? <laughs> oh, my God. Um, I don't believe anything you motherfuckers are saying now. You, any of you could be Tom Holland. Any of you could be Andrew Garfield disguised just feeding lies into my ears. True. So I'm going to take it. Uh, the- no, no, look. Although actually Ben does have, you know, lo- lovely voluminous, you know, vol- hair. So he could be Andrew Garfield, couldn't he? He's like all the Spider-Men mixed together. It's, you know, he's like all the <laughs> yes. Peter Parkers. Oh my God, he, he actually is. Even <laughs> Tobey Maguire, which as, as, as much as it made me happy to see him back, it made me realise, what's a nice way of saying this? It's been a long time since I've seen Tobey Maguire and time has passed and time has passed for him. <laughs> Dude, he's nearly fucking 50. He's aged extremely well. He I has. Think. It's just it's been so long. It was it was surprising to see him, and he's just forever encased in amber in my memory. And he's not been encased in amber in real life, which is not his fault. And it's just which how is life good, works. Because he couldn't be able to, he wouldn't be able to breathe or move. <laughs> yes, or but whatever, he you would know? be able to be cloned, which would be great. Um, <laughs> no, 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 no. We're not going anywhere near a spider clones. No, 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 no clone saga. It's not happening. It's not happening. No Ben Riley, none of that shit. No, thank you. Uh, Tobias Vincent Maguire, born June 27th, 1975. That makes him 46. I think he looks better at 46 than I do at considerably um, much, much younger than him. Correct. I mean, I mean, no. Oh, <laughs> Shut no. Up, no. oh, shit. No, I didn't mean that. What's the right anyway. response to that? My question about the ending is less about the logistics because I'm still feeling the emotion of it. And the emotion of it mm. is, as, as much as this film brought me so much joy, it's such a bummer of an ending. He is yeah. erased from history. Mm. Nobody knows who he is. He's experienced, uh, well, he's experienced so much loss in his life, but another of the biggest losses he'll ever face. And as much as the other Spider-Men gave him support for, like, a couple of hours afterwards while they fought, he's now completely on his own after having mm. experienced that. And he doesn't have MJ. He has nobody. Nobody knows he exists. I feel so, so sorry for him. It's, it is a really surprisingly downbeat ending for a film that in many ways seems designed to leave you kind of skipping out of the theatre on cloud nine. Yeah, I think I think we're meant to take comfort from, and I think the thing that he takes comfort from is the sense of having done the right thing. And it's weird mm-hmm. because I started writing my review of this for another publication, and Boo. I was I was kind of <laughs> writing about you know what I always wang on about about Peter Parker being just a fundamentally good human being that he he does things for other people that he always tries to help he always tries to do the right thing. And of course, he doesn't actually in this film. He he does try to get things for himself that he needs, or at least for his friends that they need. He does try to 
undo the, this pain that has been caused him by Mephisto's lies at the end of the last film. And it all backfires and it all blows Mephisto. up in his face. Mephisto confirmed on Mephisto the end of oh. <laughs> Mysterio. This is what happens. But he does try and get, you know, undo all of that hurt that Mysterio did at the end of the last film. And, yeah. and it all blows up in his face, quite literally, in the case of the Green Goblin. And mm. it, it hurts so much. So he ends up having to sacrifice everything to, to fix what flowed from him wanting anything for himself. And and there is an element of, you know, self-sacrifice and self-abnegation almost that that kind of comes about at the end. And he has to give up everything that he wants to make everybody else as safe and happy as they can be. So he sends the villains back with a chance at being okay again. He sends the other Spider-Man back you know, okay, he hasn't done much in the way of positivity for Maguire's character, but he has, I think, for Garfield's character, or they collectively have, and and Maguire at least has seen some, you know, fellow feeling or whatever else with the others. Um, Mm. So he's done the best he can by everybody else. He has empowered Doctor Strange to to cast the spell that saves the world from interdimensional chaos. And I think he has to take comfort from that. I think that's all he has at the end of the day, is he, he did the right thing. And it's cold comfort, maybe, but that is that is, I think, why he is still standing at the end, and why he is still swinging at the end. And I think he also does have hope that he can get Ned and MJ back eventually. I know that that meeting in the coffee shop didn't go the way he wanted, but she's still wearing the necklace. She's wearing the Black Dahlia necklace. Hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. So now, it's hope. an ending that feels like it gets right to the core of Spider-Man, uh, as you say, and I, I really enjoyed that. I also just enjoyed. The fact that he's taken inspiration from his fellow Spider-Man and changed his suit. Yeah. Um, which is one of the things that, you know, people have been going on about for the past couple of Spider-Man films and like it's very sort of tech heavy and all the rest of it. Um, there's no, there, there's like one scene early on where there's an AI voice. After that, nothing. Um, and the way he, again, the suit, um, traditional red and blue with you no know, fabric, he took the, um, he took the sewing machine, uh, made his own suit. I, I really love that touch too. And again, the the police scanners mm-hmm. that is mm-hmm. right from the first scene in the Spider Man PS4 game, uh, which I and uh, as is the whole feast where Art May works again from the Spider Man PS4 game, which I've been replaying uh, in the um, in lead up. That's to this, got a so. Miles Morales connection, so. hasn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Because I remember when we did our first Spider-Man No Way Home Try to Breakdown that we I missed that it was faced and someone wrote in going, that's actually where kind of Miles Morales works. So is that's what made me yeah. think that he might show up in this. Mm. But it's it's very much centered around It was around Peter in the, in, in the inside out suit. Instead. Yes, it was. Oh, is that what he did? Yeah, yeah. He yeah. Did. So the, the suit got the green paint on it. We see that in the in mm-hmm. the footage. He's been mm-hmm. trying a couple of times to wash it off. It isn't coming off. And then he's looking at the inside of it and goes, huh. And so he just turns it inside out and wears it. That oh. is precisely what you'd do if you were on your own and you were like, oh, I can't wash these clothes properly. I'm, what, like 17 years old. I'll just wear it inside out. <laughs> yeah. That's fine. This will do. Yeah. I, I don't think I'd want to see what a 17-year-old's uh, clothes look like on the inside out, uh, to be quite frank. <laughs> well, in this case, there's uh, a lot of wiring, basically. So. There is there is a lot of wiring. Uh, I wonder if it passes the sniff test. He gets up in the morning you know, and throws his throws his uniform at the wall. Whichever one doesn't stick, he wears. Is that basically, <laughs> yeah. is that basically yeah. what not, yeah. I mean, it's, it, it didn't oh. mean in a sex way. And no, I, I, I didn't think that. you did, but it's still no. gross. It's still I gross. In, I, I meant in a sort of odour way. Okay, but I will say, in his defence, he has tried to wash it twice 
twice. He has submerged in water and some kind of soap <laughs> at least twice that we yeah. see and just hasn't got the green paint off. So, you know, he it, it probably doesn't smell that bad. Stuff like the suit. I had concerns uh, going into this movie and concerns from previous Spider-Man movies. And it honestly feels like this movie addressed and fixed all of them. It's insane. Like, you know, the, in the last uh, spoiler pod we did, I lamented the fact that Aunt May knows Peter Parker as Spider-Man and they haven't really done anything with that in the MCU. Completely fixed that in this film. Love that. I, in the last spoiler pod we did, I was saying the Spider-Sense. We need an auditory and visual signifier when he's doing Spider-Sense. Completely fixed that. I've got like a whole list of stuff they've just gone and improved upon, which just makes me very happy. I also found that I don't have a million pounds in my account, so if they could fix that, because clearly they're listening to these things and making notes for the next one, so thank you. They did at least have that moment in Infinity War when he's on the bus, on the school bus, and all of the hair on his arm stands on end when he realises that the ship is coming. So that was a little bit of Spidey sense. But that moment here uh, where they're in the apartment and his head just starts going fuzzy and it puts you in his mindset, I thought was uh, incredible. Not even that moment, but before that, when he's fighting Doctor Strange and Doctor Strange uh, separates him from his body and they they, they give it the... the, um, (laughs) I was just a visual thing. Um... The exclamation marks that you see in comics um, from when when Spider Sense is um, yes. yeah they they have Tingle. a version of that the Peter I don't I still don't like that I name. like that it, it's it's, it's <laughs> growing just makes on you me. laugh doesn't it <laughs> yeah yeah in, in respect to Aunt May who coined it you know I'll allow it but I don't like it um, uh, but but yeah that that was cool too that's so much great Wh- stuff which bit's that the bit where he's being uh, he's he's when when Doctor Strange separates him separates his corporeal form from his body uh huh. And uh, Doctor Strange is trying to get the box, and the Spider Sense is basically keeping the box away from. Oh, is that Doctor what's Strange. happening? If you look at the corporeal form, Peter, they got the exclamation marks coming out at the, at the top of his head, basically indicating that Spider Sense is ah, working. Okay, yeah. oh, I'll just have to go yeah. see it again. Anyone up? Oh, what a shame! What, what a terrible trial! I, I'll tell you, my favorite bit of Spider Sense here was that when it goes in the apartment, he is surrounded by bad guys, and he has to. St- figure he has to move really slowly and sort of almost examine everybody in turn before he knows where the danger mm-hmm. is actually coming from. I thought that was brilliantly done. The, the fact that, okay, my spider sense is tingling, but why? It could be anyone in here apart from May, probably, one hopes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, I, I love that sequence. I loved, I thought it was uh, terrific because you get this sense that there's a, there's a sense of, okay, where's this film going now? Mm. What's mm-hmm. what's happening? All right, so we've we've you know we've we've gone through the first forty five minutes or so, and it's raced through at a breakneck speed, and maybe hand waved a bit too much for Helen's liking from mm-hmm. a legal point of view. We're but we'll get, get onto that. that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you know we've got this this interesting wrinkle with the the fiendish five. I'm going to call them because they're they're not quite the sinister six. So mm. we've got these guys, and then Peter being Peter is compassionate, and so wants to do something to try and fix them. But what's the plot here? What's driving this thing ultimately? What are the goals? And I'm still not sure where this movie's going. But what Watts does, I thought, really well there was that he slowly introduces this sense of unease. Because you immediately, mm. you, initially, anyway, initially you get this real this sense of, you know, Peter in his boyish enthusiasm is, you know, he's being he's being a science bro, isn't he? And he's he's helping fix them one by one. You're going, okay, is he going to fix them one by one? And then one of them breaks out, one of them goes rogue. 
Um, but he ratchets up the tension from that moment. The soundtrack drops out, the, the lighting scheme gets a little bit darker. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was really, really mm-hmm. nice, you know, because he, he sets mm-hmm. it up, you know, uh, Osborne is obviously a loose cannon, but it, it makes it look like Electro might be the one to break ranks yeah. first. And I, I thought that moment with the, uh, the, the the web webbing webbing Norman, and then yeah. Willem Dafoe. I mean, we haven't talked. Oh, we haven't even talked talk about, about these guys. Oh, Amazing! Oh my that gosh. moment when they're in feast, and you see him, and and he is Norman. He's not Green Goblin at that point, and you see just him getting to play those notes. It reminded me a bit of his performance in the Lighthouse, and you just go, "This is just beautiful. This is glorious. It's, it's so unexpected." The way that the plot kept twisting and, and turning in ways that I didn't expect, but the, the way that it portrays that with those performances and uh, with Willem Dafoe, obviously he gets that moment in, in Feast, which I thought was beautifully played, but mm. then the moment when he gets to go full Goblin again, oh my God, that made all the hairs on my arms stand on end. That was full on Spidey <laughs> senses for me. It was amazing. My my favourite, favourite Norman Osborn beat in this film, because this is another worry that I had, Green Goblin in that first Spider-Man movie, Spider-Man movie, especially at the end, he is terrifying and he is not playing around and he is beating up on Spider-Man in a big way. And I was wondering, given that this is the MCU, were they going to keep, were they going to keep Goblin looking, feeling that terrifying? And when uh, that big, you know, fight uh, right before Aunt May, uh, Aunt May dies, when Peter is punching Norman Osborn, and the guy smiles and laughs in his face. Perfect. It was absolutely loved that. It beat. was almost. It felt. It felt exactly as terrifying as he should. It was almost a bit jokery. It was almost yeah. the "I will push you to break your one rule." Almost. You know, what I mean, there was a real sense of that there. Yeah. I also love that they kept the armor that everyone hates from the first Spider-Man, mm-hmm. but essentially transformed it by dint of adding a secondhand hoodie that someone had donated to Feast <laughs> and then ripping that to shreds. So he essentially ends up with what looks much more like the traditional goblin silhouette. I thought that was brilliantly done. Mm-hmm. Um, very subtly mm-hmm. set up. I didn't particularly notice the colour of the hoodie he was wearing in Feast. More fool me, because of course <laughs> then when I saw him a bit later, I'm like, oh. <laughs> I do have problems with the construction of that condo building. Um, you know, it seems to me that if, if two even super strong people can smash each other through floors that way, that really they should have invested in better concrete. Um <laughs> But apart from that, He's you know, really, really strong. Yeah, they're, I know they're both strong. I just, you know, come on. I also just really, and <laughs> I got a nice reaction at the uh, press screening. You know, Peter, yeah, I thought it was great. And the bit, the bit where does Peter say something to him on the, when they're, when they're fighting on the giant Captain America shield? And uh, I'm not sure how I feel about the Statue of Liberty having the shield, but it was a nice little <laughs> wrinkle to 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 set the uh, the final confrontation there. Is it during that bit? I've seen this movie twice, but because you know I'm I'm clapping like a puppy half. Do puppies <laughs> clap anyway? Uh, you know I'm just so joyous watching this movie that I, I'm forgetting some of the smaller bits. But Peter says something like, "I'm gonna kill you," and and uh, Goblin because at that point he's not Norman goes at a boy, and that yeah. is just it's. Uh, Holland told me something which was because obviously he couldn't confirm anything mm-hmm. but he did come the closest in in all the interviews I did for No Way Home <laughs> to saying stuff like he said that he was on set one day with with someone who was giving a speech about heroism and uh, and everyone kind of people were coming on, on their day off to 
you know, to come to set to watch this thing. Like um, Zendaya and Jacob Batalon came along on their day off. They weren't in this scene, but they wanted to see it because it was so goddamn momentous. Yeah, I, and now I've got a pretty good feeling what that scene was now mm-hmm. and who it was with. Um, but, you know, he also said things like, you know, it was just fascinating because Melina was out of the bag. Largely thanks mm-hmm. to Alfred Molina, <laughs> yep, <laughs> not been able to keep his uh, his trap shut. Uh, but and, and honestly, in a way, I think that was a good thing for the marketing mm-hmm. of this movie. Yeah, uh, because it allowed him to go. We're doing something really, really fucking cool here, and we're this isn't even half of what we're, we've got for you in this in this film. Doc Ock, that Doc Ock is back, and probably that the the Goblin, and probably that Electro guy as well. You didn't really like, but we're going to rehabilitate him anyway. <laughs> One of the things he said to me was, you know, it was fascinating watching these people trying to kind of remember how they played these characters mm. from a long time ago. So clearly he was talking about Willem Dafoe because Goblin Norman is the main bad guy of this movie, yeah. uh, ultimately. Mm. And his his ability to tap into that, like those, uh, you know, and he's been de-aged brilliantly as well. They all have. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that the, the way he can just turn on a dime and be utterly spine chilling in his psychopathy is phenomenal good great great performances i keep thinking every time i see someone being really really great in a superhero movie i keep thinking of that martin scorsese thing about you know oh they do the best with what they have you know oh they're you know they're not really given a lot of you know they, they have to you know they have they have to make do essentially and it's like there's so many great performances in movies like this you know yeah I just, I just, I mean, look, Willem Dafoe's face was made to play the Green Goblin. Like his, it was. The, the yeah. shape of his face, the shape of that grin is just in itself amazing. The eyes, the, the eye, smile, just, oh my God. The teeth. He's incredible. Um, so yeah, it was amazing seeing him again. Um, and and I, I love Doc Ock. I mean, we, you know, we are big, big fans of the second Spider-Man movie. And that is, a lot of it is because of that tragic arc that he has. And so to see him again get some kind of redemption and get an, get a second chance because that movie of course does have that moment of redemption at the very end where he does come to his senses mm. and does mm. kind of fight back against the against the tentacles. Um, mm. But but to see you know a more sustained version of that I thought was really really satisfying here and and um, I like that he was you know the first one cured and then the first one kind of on side although the whole like everything goes to shit in the condo thing i wasn't quite sure of everybody's motivation at that point like why did doc ock just mm. completely bug out why did sandman get involved but yeah i wasn't quite sure of his motivation at that point there were some you know quibbles yeah i did like the little moment that doc ock and his peter shared yeah. uh, near the end uh when sort of Fighting to calm down a bit and like, yeah, I'm, try- I'm trying to do better, which is a nice sort of bookend to that arc yeah. and, and what those two did in that movie. Very nicely done. Yeah, just so much mutual respect and affection. Yeah, I think he, he he's the first one we see. We spend a lot of time with him. Um, I, I think he maybe gets a little bit lost towards the end of the film, mm-hmm. but it's one of those things where it's just it's kind of almost like a minor quibble. You know, would, would, could, it, could it have dealt with, could it have done with another scene with, with Doc Ock? Possibly. You're right about the, the motivations. You're right about, um, but maybe we, we, we aren't party. The only scene we have really where we see the bad guys is uh, outside of Spider-Man's purview is um, is that scene with Norman smashing the Green Goblin helmet, uh, helmet. Otherwise, we don't spend any time with them whatsoever. So we're not privy to what yeah. sort of conversations they might have had in Doctor Strange's magical cave. Uh, they might have been going, listen, if we get out of here, maybe we should team up, you know, and maybe we should do something. I feel like they needed a scene after Aunt May died and after we'd sort of seen the three Peters 
having that first conversation. We needed the scene where the villains trying to also get on the same page. Because not only that, but all the villains fight for a good 10 minutes in that final fight scene. And then Goblin comes. Like, you know, what's the plan here, guys? I don't think they're meant to be working together at all. I think they're just meant to all independently. Because because there's a beat in that big fight um, in the condo where Peter goes on the outside and then Lizard sort of comes into the fight and says, you know, actions have consequences and then puts Peter back inside to where Goblin is waiting to beat on him some more. I think that's just coincidence. I don't yeah, think I that's think... teamwork at all. Okay. I don't, I think that's just, uh, it, because if Marco fucks off immediately. Um, yeah. uh, Doc Ock pisses off as well. Mm-hmm. We're not sure at that point whether, uh, whether Electro has broken the, the chip again. So he's now back under the control of the tentacles. That's how I think we're meant to read it. Uh, but then obviously he's playing the long con. He's playing the, he's playing the, the he's, he's their inside man, uh, essentially. Mm-hmm. But no, I'm, I'm not sure that, yeah, I think Helen's right. They're not really working together. Mm-hmm. But I quite like the fact that this movie anchors you almost exclusively to Peter Parker's viewpoint. You know, we, we get a couple of scenes with, with Ned and MJ. Mm-hmm. We, but otherwise we're tethered to Tom Holland, the actor, not the roofer. And we're tethered a little bit to, to MJ. But we don't even get, Doctor Strange scenes. Everything we see is through Peter Parker's eyes. So, you know, we don't get anything of of Doctor Strange when he's in the Grand Canyon doing his, his sightseeing tour in the mirror <laughs> dimension. We don't get anything of his encounter with a lizard. You know, this stuff may have been shot and then manipulated in the editing room. It took me a second viewing to realize, for example, that it's Strange who brings Peter away from the bridge as the goblin appears. Mm-hmm. Because I was like, "What the hell's just happened there?" And then I, I'd realize what Strange has done is he's he's rolling portal. He's he's yeah. rolled a portal sideways over Peter, um, which is a pretty nifty he's transition. Doing some next level magic in this. I was very impressed. He is, and in terms of actors who have the perfect faces for characters, Benedict yeah. Cumberbatch and Doctor Strange. My goodness, mm-hmm. match made in yeah, heaven. He really very much so. Although I love that he, I love that he uses a um, template for his goatee. <laughs> <laughs> great, great touch. Great touch. Lovely touch. Lovely touch. He, um, his hair does change, though. Uh, in the in the scene in the Sanctum Sanctorum, when it's all snowy and he agrees to do the Ooh. spell, his hair there is very different from what it is two scenes later. So maybe <laughs> maybe he's wearing a uh, maybe the character is wearing a piece. I'm not suggesting for a second right. that Benedict Cumberbatch, who I have met recently in the flesh and has a wonderful head of hair, uh, I'm not suggesting for a second that he is in need of assistance tonsorially. I love that he's salty about uh, losing out on the Sorcerer Supreme <laughs> title due to technicality. Sorry, can I, can I just say for a second, Vindication! <laughs> okay, I have, okay. I have been saying for a long time <laughs> that mm-hmm. Stephen Strange is not the Sorcerer Supreme have, uh, in have. the MCU. And I think he will be at some point because as someone, yes. uh, we're not taking listener questions today. We'll be doing an entire show dedicated to listener questions to let you know as many people as possible see this movie as, 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 as is possible. Uh, but someone has sent in a question basically He's saying, what is up with Wong? Because he is the Sorcerer Supreme, but he is, how should we say, lax when it comes to yeah. upholding the, the standards of the office. You know, he's off doing cage fights with Abomination. He is off karaoke <laughs> with people until the wee small hours. He's turning a blind eye to really dangerous spells being cast. Dude, What's you going on show there? me in the like Necronomicon or whatever where it says that the Sorcerer <laughs> Supreme can't karaoke. I would defy you <laughs> to find that written down in any of the books in that library. It's a good point. It's a good point. Uh, yeah, absolutely. We love Wong. We love Wong. We but do. perhaps ultimately the, the long game is showing that he's perhaps not suited for that job. Well, maybe. Not that not suited, but maybe like, yeah, maybe doesn't 
fundamentally want the responsibility on some level. He's put in you know, the maybe. work in, though. He's the one in the Shang-Chi post-credit sequence who's gathering everyone together and saying, hey, we've got some stuff we need to look at. And I like that that makes sense. Uh, well, yeah, he's in charge of that because he's Sorcerer Supreme and, and not Doctor Strange. And when Strange sort of got blipped, he was the one sort of, you know, training up the students at Kamartage. That's True. why when the end game final battle happened, he had to sort of, you know, his crew with him. Um, so, so yeah, I like that too. Mm. I'm sure we will, I'm sure we'll be speaking about this later, but my favorite episode of What If has a lot of bearing, uh, not only in this film, but in the second post credit yeah. scene. Um, because well. the same containment spell which Doctor Strange uses in this film mm. is exactly the same one that he does in the couple episodes in What If. So, Can so. I just say, before we move on from Wong and his students, that he clearly didn't teach them how to shovel up snow because that is the most desultory <laughs> snow sweeping I've ever seen in my life. Come on, people. Like They're, they're like, oh, oh yeah. no, I've only been able to pick up like a teaspoonful of this gigantic shovel. Come on. Seriously. And there's not a spell for that? There's not a spell for that? There's not just heating? Come on. Why are they shoveling right? it? I mean, come on. <laughs> heating is cheating, Ben. You can't You can't do that. Sometimes you can't just magic everything up. Open If they opened a portal to the Arctic, open a portal to, I don't know, uh, the Sahara. They had one. They had one last we saw. There was a portal to a desert. Remember? Yeah. We yeah. sent that guy but, for it. Yeah, but if you open it up, then Scott Atkins might come back through again and kick your ass. And you, you don't want that to happen. That is that is for damn sure. That's fair. Uh, there's lots of stuff to talk about. Uh, should we talk about? <sighs> oh my god! The score. It's a, it's a strange thing to do. I'm on, but let's talk about Frank Oz's movie, The Score, uh, which of course united Robert De Niro, Marlon Brando, and Edward Norton. Mm. It's a it's a middling heist movie, but sure, if you want to talk about it, then talk about it. Oh, you mean the score by Michael Cicchino? Okay, that makes much more sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm surprised it's... that you want to talk about the score because you're usually so reluctant mm. to talk about <laughs> movie music. I know, I know. I'm making an exception today uh, because it's so good. Um, yeah, Michael, Michael Cicchino, it's really, you know, smart that he would work on this film because not only has he been doing the Spider-Man films, but he's been doing the mm-hmm. Doctor Strange films and combining and merging those two themes uh, are really, is, is, he does a really, really great mm-hmm. job with that. I also love, and, you know, this pays off an earlier podcast because I was saying to you that when the Alphan theme pops up, we're going to recognize it. And, and yes, I didn't. Uh, you did. <laughs> no, you didn't. did. You gave, you walked up, you gave me a nice little show. I was like, yeah, Alfred there, which is great. Um, but I love that. I love that, you know, not only did we hear the Elfman Spider-Man theme, but we heard the Doc Ock uh, motif. We had the mm. Goblin motif. That was great. Even Electro's theme. Mm. I, I love that they added the, um, the call, the call uh, music, the, the call element to the Spider-Man theme. I think that really just helps show the maturity of not only the theme, but the character across these three movies, because in each movie, that sweet, that big old theme has been added to. Um, and yeah, Michael Cuccino, one of the best composers working today, proves so again. It's also interesting in that uh, Danny Elfman and Michael Cuccino, they're sort of switching roles yeah. in some ways, because Danny Elfman is doing the Sam Raimi Doctor Strange. That's because um, he's Raimi's guy. And, and, yeah. 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 Uh, so, so, so yeah, I um, spoke to him spoke to Danny Elfman a while back and he will be uh, using Michael Cuccino's That's theme. That's so cool. That's good because he didn't do that obviously when he took over from Alan Silvestri uh, on Age of Ultron. He used notes he, of it. He used bits of the Avengers theme but he didn't use the full thing. It doesn't get an airing in Age of Ultron and that, that's always disappointed me. The opening scene of Age of Ultron I think has the 
classic Avengers theme, but after that, it changes. Mm, I don't think it's played. There's elements of it, but anyway, we're not here. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about something else. I, say, I, I really like the score, but my favourite musical cues were not the score. My favourite musical cues were, first of all, No Sleep Till Brooklyn, Repurpose for mm-hmm. Boston, and and secondly, Three is the Magic Number for the ending. Yes. Just that made me laugh Great. a lot. So I, I thought that was really inspired. It was perfect. That was perfect. It made me, it made up for the lack of Ramones. I was hoping for a Ramones song because that's been a lovely through line through the John Watts Spider-Man movies, but three is a magic number. And and that whole uh, kind of animated credit sequence was beautiful. I think that's what the (laughs) the flash of the animated Spider-Man is at the very end. I think that's just teeing you up for this kind of hand-drawn credit sequence. But yeah, yeah, lovely, lovely stuff. Yeah, quite possibly. Mm. We also don't get someone saying what the fuck and then cut into a you know to cut into the credits, which is which is a break from tradition. But it's a much it's a it's a it's a demonstrably deliberately more mature mm. film, I, I guess, than the other two because he's a year older. <laughs> but he's gone through a lot of shit, hasn't he? But uh, I I did think at one point that Peter was going to walk into the coffee shop ready with his handwritten note to you know try and convince MJ uh, of who he was. And I thought for a second I thought she was going to kiss Ned, and that was going to be the moment he went what. <gasps> the fuck and then we were going to cut but <laughs> that would have been interesting I'm, I'm glad they didn't I'm glad yeah, they didn't yeah, go down yeah. that route I love what they did with Peter and MJ we've had two films with Peter and MJ and it feels like that romance has really barely begun for, for story reasons um, which makes sense but still it, it felt like they were missing something there they felt cute but there wasn't much depth to their relationship until this movie. And they have, that, they have that early scene where they're sort of FaceTiming each other and Happy sort of has that line, okay, you like each other, not breaking the ground, hang up. And he's not wrong. And it's funny. But, in, in the, but it is breaking new ground because we haven't really seen them be that comfortable mm. with each other until that moment. And it's absolutely necessary. It's a type of character beat that, 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 that the really good MCU Disney Plus shows, like a Hawkeye, are really, really nailing. Um, and I'm glad that they found room in this film for a yeah. scene like that. Yeah, they're super cute. And and even Ned is super cute as the kind of third wheel, God bless him, on mm. the entire romance. Yeah. Um, <laughs> absolutely adorable. Also, it gives us that a, a very, very funny clip where they f- they swing home in a in a frenzy, in a, in a terror after his identity is revealed. <laughs> and he's trying to get his spider suit off to go and talk to Aunt May and um, and they think it's something else as they come into the bedroom but it's just What could they possibly hilarious. think it is Helen? I, I don't know. <laughs> well yeah no, I don't know because they're not married so clearly they wouldn't be up to any no. other business so God it's, would it's smite to- them or Arishem Arishem would smite them down <laughs> none of that business so there's a couple of things I want to talk about. I know Helen wants to talk about the, the beginning of the movie and all oh. the, uh, the hand-waving that happens with that and uh, and a certain cameo of a really good lawyer. Uh, and we <laughs> there he goes again. Uh, <laughs> and we will get there. We will get there for sure. Uh, yeah, Sadea is fantastic in this role. Uh, it's a very, very yeah. different uh, version of MJ. I thought for a second we might get to see Kirsten Dunst. I wondered for a second, by the way, mm-hmm. I wondered for a second if whenever we saw everyone going back whether we might see them slip into their old lives and we might see Kirsten Dunst as MJ, welcome back, Toby Maguire. And- because he was also kind of squirrely about that when he was asked. He was, he was a sort of a, mm. you know, we make it work. It was a very weird answer when someone's essentially asking you, mm. just do you have a girlfriend? Or yeah, because I think they would well, be married by now. You would have yeah. imagined, right? But, the but sort then of, again, we make it work was a bit. I don't know. It sounded like why? Like is she not? I mean, maybe she's in LA being an actress. Maybe it's that storyline. Yeah. I don't know. But. Well, she's in the Power of the Dog with Doctor Strange. Oh, that's right. 
and Wait. Nightcrawler. Oh my god, this is so confusing. <laughs> <laughs> it's all very confusing. But yeah, Zendaya's great, and I think her yeah. ability, you know, she's incredibly versatile. You know, you wouldn't necessarily know. If you looked at The Greatest Showman and then went, this kind of introspective, oh, deliberately dowdy. I mean, still pretty stunning. I mean, still, yeah, a, yeah, a, yeah. amazingly beautiful, obviously, yeah. but the woman is the same actor who is also in June. You know, it's incredibly versatile, yeah. but, the, you know, she's very yeah. funny as well. She's got great chemistry with Tom Holland. Um, there's just some lovely moments. The moments they're throwing, throwing the bread at Andrew oh Garfield God, is hilarious, so but also her, <laughs> her kind of defensive, shitty you know, kind of judo kung fu yeah. stance that she's trying to do. Like, it's a Spider-Man. What the hell are you going to do about it? <laughs> um, the way she gives Doctor Strange some shit back. She's she's, she's yeah. tremendous, tremendous yeah. character. It's I would a great say. character. Did you guys pick up on the sort of more subtle Easter eggs in regards to a whole bunch of stuff, like Zendaya working at a coffee shop, very reminiscent Friend. of the. <laughs> no, no, Chris. Um, very reminiscent of the shop that Kirsten Dunst's MJ uh, works in in Spider-Man. The Moondance Cafe in Spider-Man 1? Are we thinking? Yeah. That she hmm. worked in a... Spider-Man 1 or Spider-Man 2. But, the, but the, I, I picked up on that and there was like a whole... Even the way Spider-Man saves the car in that uh, first big opening fight scene. Similar to how Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man saves the cars in, this, in the scene in in his first major Spider-Man movie, there's a line um, that Tom Holland's Peter says, it's not my problem, which is the line that uh, Tobey Maguire's Peter Parker says before the guy runs out and kills Uncle Ben. Um, so there's little things like that dotted around which I enjoy. Yeah, uh, no, I didn't spot those. I did spot in the... Um I'm being excited to go back and see it again in the great schism at the end that it's bringing through loads of people who know that Spider-Man is Peter Parker. Uh, one of them seems to be Craven the Hunter. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it made me think that, you know, there's got to be some other characters that are, you know, where is Topher Grace's Venom? At the, you know, was he brought through? But I guess you have to be selective, right? Wouldn't mm. wouldn't MJ have been brought through? Because she technically knows that Peter is Peter. But, you know, hey, mm. hey, listen, we could we could talk about all this stuff all day long. Uh, but we only have about half an hour left before Ben has to turn to dust and go through his own portal. Um, so I want to talk about Doctor Strange, mm-hmm. the post credit stings, mm-hmm. and the beginning of the movie. Mm-hmm. You choose which order we, we talk about them in. Well, I was going to say that post credit stings would make sense right now just because you've just brought up Venom. But All right. So we'll talk about Venom, okay. which will lead us nicely into the second post credit sting, which will lead us nicely into Doctor Strange, exactly. which will lead us nicely somehow to the beginning <laughs> of the movie. So let's talk about Venom <laughs> and uh, the fact that I think we were all worried. You know, I know mm. there, are, there are people who are going to be listening to this who are going to be fans of the Fenom movies. Uh, we are not fans of the Fenom movies. Um, I don't mind Tom Hardy and the relationship between Eddie Brock and Fenom. I think there's a lot of comedy potential there. Uh, but I think we were all worried by the post credit sting on Fenom Let There Be Carnage that Fenom would be showing up in this movie. We said it on the podcast. Mm-hmm. We thought, you know, if the Fiendish Five needed one more body to turn it into the Sinister Six, then who better than Fenom? Never mind the tonal carnage. Oops, uh, that he would have that he would have wrought on this movie. So I was kind of braced for that, and then this movie went along. I went, okay, it's not going to happen. Then Tobey Maguire 
says, oh, I fought this alien once who was made of black goo. And I was like, oh, Jesus Christ, he's going to show up now, isn't he? He's going to show up. Oh, please, please, no. And then it didn't happen. And then the post credit scene comes along and it's Tom Hardy at a bar with Danny Rockus yeah. from Ted Lasso because Venom is life. And, <laughs> and then he disappears. Yes. And it's a beautiful way of getting Tom Hardy into the MCU for a split second and then saying, I think someone involved with this movie realizes that this would not work. This this Venom and this Spider-Man would not work. Mm. So ne'er the twain shall meet. We'll get him out, back to Spunk, and he's just left a little thing behind, a little bit of symbiotic fluid behind that can bond with someone else, whether it's this universe's Eddie Brock or whomever, mm. and become a new Venom. And hopefully not the same one. I applauded many times through the course of this film at all the big moments, but I don't think anything made me applause as much as when they got Tom Hardy's Venom to fuck off out of the MCU. With all due respect. With all due disrespect. Because you can dance around it, Chris, and I'm a, let people like what they like. Let people enjoy what they enjoy. I deeply do not enjoy either Venom movie. I think it's a terrible version of the character. I think the films are absolutely rubbish. I think all of that shit that Tom Hardy stuff does that, that he does... I think that's a bit shit as well. I'm so glad uh, they just fixed everything. All the worries that I had are just fixed. You have this post-credit sequence and yeah, there he is, there he is. And then I hadn't even clocked that because of, of what Peter had done in the course of the film, that that meant that he would be going. So I was there going, oh no, okay, here's the thing. This film has made me feel all the wonderful things. <laughs> Is it now going to send me out going, oh, God, but then we have that Venom scene. No, because he, he disappears because of Peter's glorious sacrifice. Thank you so much, Peter Parker. And the fact that he <laughs> left the bit of Venom goo is like, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm going to attribute this all to Kevin Feige and just say the genius of Kevin Feige. He's just he's just fixed it. He just got Tom Holland out of there. They We got a little bit of Venom that we can do something within Tom the Hardy. MCU. Yes, that is that. That's perfect. It's so elegant. It's so smart. I am so on board with what they did. My only issue is we still have the possibility of a Venom, and I just don't like yeah. the character. <laughs> I just don't. I don't like him. I don't want him. I look, trust. Once Kevin Feige does <sighs> his thing, I think he will. And I have I have nothing more to add to Ben's soliloquy. Honestly, he what if it, it <laughs> what if the symbiote bonds with Kevin Feige? We have, we haven't considered this. Whoa. This. this. <laughs> That could set the cat amongst the pigeons. Oh, the man. spider cat amongst the spider pigeons. What if it bonds with Avi Arad? Well, oh, hey, boy. listen, as the original true believer, uh, I would be totally on board with that. And, um, you know, we should we should all, you know, hey, Avi, we should look skywards because the movie makes you think he's dead even though he's not. So, so Venom Bullet dodged, I think Ooh. we can say. And I don't mind mm -hmm. the character. I think that what came what came afterwards in terms of carnage, I think that's that's maybe a step too far for Spider-Man. But I think Venom poses a really interesting threat to Spider-Man in the comic books. And so if they get the right new Venom for this, because I think they will, I don't think we're going to have the MCU's Tom Hardy, Eddie Brock, uh, bond with Venom. I think it could be an interesting way to go down the line, mm. which is another reason why I think that we will see Peter Parker kick around, uh, ultimately. But... There is another post-credits thing. Mm. And for the first <laughs> time since Captain America, the first Avenger, it isn't really a sting. It's more of a kind of mini trailer. Yeah. For mm. Doctor Strange it, in the really Multiverse of It's a really long time since we saw that, isn't it? Wow. Long yeah. time. A long time. So 2011. 
which only adds oh. to my feeling that this is going to be some kind of Civil War-esque. Everyone's in it. This is bringing everything together, all the people in the movie. Because, uh, yeah, the last one we got for these was Avengers Assemble, where it's like, oh, no, here's basically a straight-up trailer. But I leaned forward in my seat as much as I then made me realise that we weren't getting Miles Morales after seeing uh, Brian Michael Bendis' uh, name in the credits. That moment where you go, Oh my god, we're seeing the Multiverse of Madness trailer-ish right now mm-hmm. was a glorious, glorious thing. So exciting. And it's not just, you know, Multiverse of Madness, which, you know, we, we knew a lot of multiverse stuff was coming. That's fine. Yeah, totally here for that. Yes. Uh, we knew like America was going to be in there and everything. We knew that Wanda was going to turn up. Sure, sure. And then... Sure, Evil sure. Strange from What If? Yeah, sure, sure. Um, mm-hmm. Evil Strange from What If? What if canon, question mark, confirmed? Mm. Yeah, it is. What? Yeah, it is. It is that character as well, because uh, mm. having seen it the second time now, if you look, there's a moment where- That's the tentacle monsters. Yes, a snake comes out of Strange's arm. So is there a moment where he yeah. becomes, the, the strangest merged? What the hell is going on? Uh, it looks yeah. terrific. Uh, I have to say, visually, it looks stunning. There's a lot of stuff which we first saw in What If that makes its way to the trailer from the way- I think Strange walks out of the Sanctum at one point and sees the entire world sort of you know, blinking away the same way as it did in What If. As I said, in the, in the movie, they had the sort of same containment spell that he used to not only contain himself and his universe, but also in the final episode of What If to contain, what is it, Killmonger and Arnim Zola Ultron hybrid. Um, so yeah, uh, very excited about that. And Excited about rewatching those episodes of What If again because I maybe like- maybe not so excited for Rachel McAdams who may be having a bad fridgy day. I yeah. got a glimpse of her. I got a glimpse of her in well, well, I think it was her. It may not be her, but there's a moment where Strange is walking. Sorry, Sir is walking along out of a, some sort of citadel into some sort of apocalyptic landscape, and he's got America Chavez with him. Mm-hmm. And what looked like Rachel McAdams. So maybe she gets to go along on the journey this time rather than just being repeatedly fridged, which is, of course, what maybe. happens in the uh, in the What If episode yeah. that, mm-hmm. that kind of leads to this. But the fact that they might be incorporating the What If episode into the live action canon is, again, very, very bold. And watching Cumberbatch as evil Doctor Strange, uh, it gave me Superman 3 flashbacks. And there's nothing wrong with that whatsoever, yeah. you know, because as we all know... <laughs> Good Clark Kent versus evil Superman is one of the greatest scenes in superhero movie history. Uh, uh, I rest my case, Your Honor. Just that flex that the villain in Doctor Strange 2 is going to be Doctor Strange feels like an extremely <laughs> Doctor Strange thing to do. I'm, I'm very in for that. <laughs> <laughs> but the beautiful thing about it is, you know, we saw uh, Chiwetel Ejiofor's Mordo yeah. uh, yeah. is going to be in this. And, you know... Doctor Strange, I swear, that film ages better by the day. Um, one of the things that Mordo repeats in that film is that the bill, bill comes, comes due. due. Always. Mm-hmm. This is the bill coming mm-hmm. due because Doctor Strange, since that movie, has done a lot of crazy stuff, magic speaking, and there's a cost to that. We're about to find out that cost, and I'm very excited to see well, what it looks like. one of the thematic preoccupations of Phase 4 so far, and it's beginning to happen so often that it, it must be deliberate, is people being confronted by the consequences. You know, even Dr. Connors says it in this, you know, actions have consequences mm-hmm. when, he, when he throws Peter mm-hmm. through the window. And and people being confronted by the, the guilt and the sins of their past and the red in their ledger. And it happens in almost every single 
MCU entry across Disney Plus, the TV shows, and across the big screen stuff uh, in this movie. It happens in Eternals. It happens in uh, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. It happens in Black Widow, obviously. WandaVision, Loki, Hawkeye, Falcon, Falcon and, and the Winter, Winter Soldier. Soldier. It is yeah. absolutely, mm-hmm. for me, not a uh, not an accident. I'd be fascinated to see how it manifests itself in Thor Love and Thunder and Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, but it certainly seems to be coming to its apotheosis in Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Yeah, it's I cannot very wait. I cannot fucking wait. Can we just talk for a second? I mean, <laughs> just when this movie, this movie has, you know, delivered, it's, it's just like 30 yarders at the top corner after 30 yarder into the top corner. It's, it's going to be. It, <laughs> if you were 30 yards out from the goal and you put a ball at the top corner, Helen, that is a good thing. All right. Okay. So uh, it, it's much yeah. like I, how I imagine I would feel tonight watching my beloved Reds tear Newcastle apart. However, you're watching this movie and it delivers moment after moment. Oh my God, it's Charlie Cox's Daredevil. Oh my God, it's Doc Ock. Oh my God, it's Green Goblin. Oh my God, it's Lizard. Okay, anyway. So <laughs> <laughs> that's oh my God, oh my God. Is that, is that Lizard? <laughs> is, is that Lizard? It's Jamie Foxx. It's Jamie Foxx. We like Jamie Foxx. Uh, it's a fox and a lizard and it's all good. Oh my God, it's it's Thomas Hayden Church, apparently. And then, you know, then you go, oh my God, it's Andrew Garfield. Oh my God, it's Tobey Maguire. So on and so forth. Then you go, Oh my God, they've written Phantom out of the MCU brilliantly. Yes, yes, please. This can't get any better. And then my boy Sam comes back and shows shows these whippersnappers, shows these pretenders to the throne how it's done. And I'm going to say that that two-minute glimpse of Doctor Strange the Multiverse of Madness, which marks the return to directing of Sam Raimi, the goat, the greatest of all oh time. God. The possessed is, goat. I'm, t- I'm telling Spielberg on you. How dare you? Listen, Sp- Sam Raimi kicks Spielberg into a bucket and shits oh. all over it. Has Steven, Sp- has Steven Spielberg ever directed Evil Dead 2? No, he hasn't. There you go. No, I rest my case. The Jaws and Raiders, yeah, Jaws and Raiders, Evil Dead, Evil Dead 2, Drag Me to Hell, Spider-Man, Spider-Man 2, for love of the... Anyway. Look. <laughs> anyway, the point is, the point is, my boy Sam's coming back and there was two minutes of uh, that glimpse at Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness is better than the entirety of the MCU to date. Thank you, Your Honour. Oh. This is... That's been it for <laughs> I may wow. have lost myself. I may have lost my. I, I may have lost myself. Oh my god! I cannot wait to Kevin Feige's just pressed the button on the the nuclear launch codes. <laughs> <laughs> the missile's headed he, straight he for Greenwich. I mean, I love Kevin Feige, but I wouldn't oh, trust him with the them. nuclear oh, codes. No. Okay. No, they, <laughs> well, yeah, they weird. handed those over around the time of uh, Ragnarok. Yeah, that's a strange thing to do to give the nuclear codes to a mm-hmm. movie producer. But you know? okay, I'll, I'll 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 go with it. But listen, it was kind of like is, Sony handing over Spider Man to him. You know. Oh, that's totally fine. It was part of the deal. Uh, all I'm saying is my boy Sam's coming back and he's going to teach you all a lesson. Stephen the Great uh, and, and Powerful yes. is coming. Oh, oh <laughs> so excited. So excited. Going back to Doctor Strange in the actual what? movie. No. We haven't talked about that. <laughs> we haven't talked about because there's so much other amazing stuff going on and in this movie. We haven't stuff. talked about uh, and spectacular and, and ultimate stuff. Uh, and his amazing friends. <laughs> and superior. <laughs> because there's so much more of that going on in this movie, we haven't even talked about the, in my mind, fantastic scene that takes place in the mirror dimension between Spidey mm-hmm. and Doctor Strange. Because we've seen Spider-Man, we've seen Peter Parker be very smart and sciencey out of costume. We haven't really seen that in costume in the heat of battle to this extent. Defeating the master of the mystic arts with, with geometry math Woo! is awesome. Yeah, that was really fun. 
It's such a great beat. I love that they gave that uh, to this to this. Uh, and just spider. gave him an Fantastic. extra element of him just being a nerd. Like he, this is yeah. If yeah. There is like his one, t-shirts weren't enough. Yeah, if there's one very slight drawback, <laughs> don't get me wrong. I'm all in on Tom Holland's Spider-Man, but he is easily like the coolest Spider-Man. Mm. I would say, obviously, Andrew Garfield oh, like skated a bit. Garfield, he, Garfield. No. He's a cool Look at his hair. guy, which is why he's cool enough for Zendaya's MJ. But to see him like be fully unabashedly nerdy, not just when he's using the fabrication machine to fix everyone and using his skills there, but as Amon says, to, to use maths in the heat of battle and to have that be a part of his superpower, that he's just a smart, nerdy guy, was a lovely thing. It was. It was super cute. And uh, yeah, and it was nice to see, you know, Doctor Strange a little bit flummoxed because I think he does need taken down a peg or two regularly. Actually, it's not like, you know, we've, we've talked about this before, but like he doesn't, yeah. it's not a matter of his arrogance is ever fixed, but he keeps having to learn over and over again that his arrogance has limits, uh, should have limits, you know? So I think it's, I think it's quite effectively done here. Yeah. He's not just arrogant, he's quite dismissive yeah. <laughs> at points in this movie as well. But I like that in very sort of, you know, short, subtle beats, you do get, to see that he really sort of cares about people. Like when Peter Parker initially goes to the Sanctum and asks Doctor Strange to help, and Doctor Strange is like, I don't have the time stone anymore. And Peter Parker's like, I'm sorry if I wasted your time. The, the, it's like a five second beat where, you know, it's, I'm, it's okay, it's okay. And Doctor Strange is trying to do it, and it really sort of, you know, humanizes him. And, you know, he really does care about Peter Parker, despite the fact that he's very yeah. dismissive and arrogant at times in this movie. And I like that. In those short beats like that, we get to see and that. And there's that little of- tiny bit at the end where he's talking about the 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 spell, and he goes, "All of us who love you will forget." Like there's an us, mm-hmm. not a people. It's yeah. not a it's not a third person thing. So yeah, he does yeah. have a heart underneath it all. Well, what if Doctor Strange had lost his heart instead of his hands, Helen? Uh, ah. This is the the big question. Oh. There's the um there's that moment <laughs> at the end, even when he's saying goodbye to Peter. You know, they, there's a little nod, a little respectfulness, and you can see the mm. sadness in his eyes. Sad, hashtag sadness in his eyes. And <laughs> yeah, I think I think the you know I think it's a very interesting take on the character this time. Mm. I think Cumberbatch is you know he's he's now very very much firmly in those shoes. I think. Uh, Infinity War really helped cement the character with a lot of people. Oh yeah, uh, he was he was one of the MVPs of that mm-hmm. movie. Then Thor turns up in Wakanda and ruined it all. Here he goes. <laughs> How are you going to say Thor turns up to Wakanda and then follow that up with the word ruin? Should have gone for the head. He dangled the bait and there, you, and you just jumped. You just jumped. It was amazing. <laughs> um, isn't it interesting that we've got two of our best actor frontrunners uh, in this film, Garfield and. Uh, but Cumberbatch. Is Garfield a front runner? I mean, he's he's in oh, the conversation, yeah. absolutely, for Tick, Tick, Boom. Yeah. He's fantastic in for that For lying film. to Josh Horowitz? Or, for or lying you mean to for Josh the, Horowitz, <laughs> yeah, he's a front runner for the Oscars. For lying to a mom woman, I think, is the bigger crime here, okay. but okay. Well, yes. <laughs> uh, well, I haven't been paying attention that he's been nominated for anything, so I, I, thought he had, I thought he had bowed gracefully out of the race. That's interesting. There's certainly been a sense that he's in the conversation for, for Best Actor. I think it was one of the names that Snoop Dogg actually pronounced correctly. I mean, it's hard to fuck up Andrew Garfield. Andre W. Garfield for Tick, Tick, Boom. Uh, yeah, I mean, that, that's the thing about these cast sales bells. You know, they're stacked. They're no, they stacked are. with talent. 
top to bottom and we haven't even mm. talked about Marissa Tomei and we will talk about Marissa Tomei before Ben turns to dust. Mm. I want to make one last Doctor Strange point because Helen said she wants to talk about the beginning of the movie mm. and that was right at the beginning of the podcast and and uh, one last Doctor Strange point is his attitude towards Peter Parker is interesting. The trailer, the first trailer for the movie, he was almost complicit. Mm. He was being reckless he was going behind Wong's back. There was the wink, you know, oh, don't worry, I'm not going to cast a spell. And then he then he winks at Peter going, don't worry, we're going to cast a spell. And that is a very different tone that is taken in the actual movie where he even tells Wong, I'm going to cast this spell. And Wong's like, nothing to do with me. I didn't see it. I wasn't here. I thought that was interesting. Maybe that was a something that they, they covered off in the additional shooting period. Maybe, maybe the trailer was a misdirect all along. Mm-hmm. Who knows? The whole fucking... Both traders are misdirects, obviously. Um, even down at the shot of Peter landing on the um, Peter One, Peter land, Peter One landing on the, the the giant shield, and there are no Peter One, no Peter Two, and Peter Three behind him, which obviously we know there is now. Mm. Anyway, what do we think of that Doctor Strange little tweak? I was surprised. Um, I think you know th- there was a big discussion when that first trailer was released about that point because people were like, he wouldn't you know cast that spell. Um, that's not in his makeup and I sort of, you know, me and Helen have had a lot of discussions about this. Um, I feel like that's exactly the sort of thing that Doctor Strange would do. Yeah, I was surprised that they tweaked it. Um, I did like that we got a funny joke out of it, um, because uh, Doctor Strange is like, do you remember that party? And uh, tells Wong, that Wong's like, no. And Doctor Strange is like, exactly. Um, which is like, um, <laughs> space, space. you know, it's, 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 a fun, it's a funny joke, but it also says like, you know, I've done this before. It's going to be fine. Yeah. Um, rather than sort of being like, you know, this is a really dangerous spell that you haven't never done before and it could go wrong, even though Doctor Strange again, I think, were, were, they, were they to have kept that scene, that take, it would have absolutely worked for me. Mm. Um, so yeah, I was, I was surprised. Yeah, it, 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 worked did, it did still work. Also, like, can we just talk about Doctor Strange could have just had a quick chat with Peter before doing the spell. I mean, that would have solved everything. Mm. You know, it's like when you get your hair cut, you have to have the conversation about how much you want off the top. You, similarly- you do? Well, <laughs> I mean, similarly here, I feel like if Peter had had a conversation, so Doctor Strange was like, so you want everyone to forget. Well, no, not everyone. Okay, yes. give me a list of people you would yes. like to remember and I will put them into my spell, which he can clearly do quite easily. But of course, one of the, one of the beautiful things, one of the great through lines of these three movies is that you know Peter Parker, for all his genius and all his smarts, is just, still just a kid who makes terrible decisions and panics under pressure. And Stephen Strange doesn't actually ask anyone's, you know, no. detailed questions before mm-hmm. going ahead and doing whatever the hell he wants. Absolutely. Due diligence <sighs> is not his motto. He doesn't he doesn't believe in it. He doesn't do it. He doesn't but it was a lovely moment as well where at the end he goes, Well, you know, if you if you talk to them, you convinced them that they they you know they couldn't, they they, you know, they they weren't gonna give you a second chance. And Peter's like, Well, I can talk <laughs> give them a second chance. <laughs> what? That's possible? Uh that's a that's a beautifully played moment. Um as is the whole call me Stephen, no, call me sir. Yeah thing that runs all the way through. <laughs> yeah. The whole setup is wonderful though. I love I thought he really sold wonderful. um Peter wanting to do this spell that he had messed up chances for for MJ and for Ned and that's what really worked for me about the opening of this film is that it brought us back. It had the thing that I thought we weren't going to get which was the teenage stuff, the teen movie, are we going to get yeah. into college? What's my relationship with MJ? How am I going to hang out with Ned? Ned trying to get mm-hmm. in, we're all going to live together. All of that stuff, which had as much 
well, maybe not as much import as everything else going on, but so much of the opening of the film, I love that it kind of hand waves the big, oh, uh, Peter Parker is Spider-Man thing from the end of No Way Home, uh, the end of Far From Home, and just goes, okay, no, this is about them trying to get into college, and this is bringing us back to that teenage level. I thought we were going to get very, very little of that in this film because there was so much other stuff going on, uh, but we did get it, and I think John Watts and Tom Holland play all of that stuff so beautifully. Yeah, I, I loved I loved the teenage stuff, but that's not to let them away with the hand wave, which I do want to talk about. <laughs> is this a big, are we are we back to the beginning of the movie now? We're back to the is beginning the of the movie. Wave? Now. All right, this here is we the go. hand wave. Okay. This is the, the home stretch for this for this particular edition of the podcast. No way home no, stretch. <laughs> hey, I just think one of the things I like to see in these movies is a bit of joined up thinking and a bit of sort of repercussions of stuff that's happened in the past having an effect on future movies. And that can be as, as simple as, you know, talking about the rebuilding of New York being a factor in all those Netflix shows or, you know, or or obviously in Spider-Man Homecoming and The Vulture and so on. Having a knock-on effect is one of the good things about having this shared universe. You don't have to make a big deal of it, but we all know it exists. And if people are paying attention, then that's extra texture and extra weight for them all to, you know, play with. So you have an Avenger, one of the saviors of the world, having just been accused of murder with apparent footage and of of them doing the murdering the avengers should take a position on that there should be an avengers statement on that i'm not saying you need to have someone physically come into this movie you could have a news report on tv saying Stark Tech have investigated this and they've said it's total bullshit and they have identified the you know former employees who ran off with this technology and blah 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 but you that is the that is the way out and it would take about the same amount of time that they they spend here in fact it would take less time than they spend here and it would be more credible the problem is actually what would happen and something like this would involve a press conference. It would involve a media blitz. It might involve, again, a statement read by Pepper Potts. It doesn't have to be her on screen. But somebody would step up and somebody would support him because he is the one person on that team. Even if nobody else came to anybody else's aid, he, they would all come to his aid because he's a kid. They would all step up for him. And that annoyed me. And I felt like you just, you don't need a huge, you don't need to make a huge deal of it, but there should be a news report or something on in the background that says that they took a stand on this. Maybe they said to Gwyneth Paltrow, uh, we need you to come and do a scene in a Spider-Man movie again. And she said, I did a Spider-Man movie? When? What? What yeah. is a Spider-Man? <laughs> hey Siri, what is a Spider-Man? Hey Goopy, what is a Spider-Man? <laughs> Yeah, now I I don't think the Avengers are currently a thing, but I do agree in that somebody should have stepped up. Like I can easily see a version of this movie where, like a five second thing at a TV, Captain America, Sam Wilson has made a statement yeah. on this. Yada yada yada, bang, easy easy done. Um, it's interesting because so yeah. obviously Happy has become more and more hapless Hogan as the mm, as the series has, has, has worn on. So it's like, how was this guy ever in a position of power in Tony Stark's organization? <laughs> Just because he liked Tony or Tony liked him, I guess. Yeah, precisely. They're good friends. But obviously he, in the first Iron Man, he's absolutely on top of things. He is hyper competent and totally in charge. And then by, by now, mm -hmm. 
you know, he is a buffoon and a lovable one. I love the bit where he goes, welcome to the, what's it, the line where he, he, he rocks up sweating, a sweaty mess at his apartment, welcome to the oasis of calm or something like that. Whatever that line is, yeah. he says, it's, it's so funny. And, uh, you know, but the apnea mask, the sleep apnea mask, uh, uh, as well. Um, you know, I thought, I thought it was all very good from a comedic standpoint, but, uh, you know, he would be on top of this stuff a little bit more than you might imagine. And I, I, I agree. I agree totally. That stuff just felt like we've painted ourselves in the corner. How do we get mm. ourselves out of it quickly la, enough? La, la, because la, that's la, not basically. really what we want to do in mm. this movie. The important thing is that the cat is at the bag identity wise. And also you have that weird Mysterio was right thing that the movie half heartedly oh. commits to. Yeah, I didn't think that that quite worked. Um, you're, you're absolutely right. It would be very easy, I think, to disprove Mysterio's claims and disprove that footage and show that he was a disaffected, uh, disenfranchised uh, Tony Stark uh, ex-employee. Because, I mean, even in the Daredevil scene, which, yay, Daredevil, love it. Um, even mm. in the Daredevil mm. scene, you know, you've got him sort of saying, oh, happy, you better lawyer up, you're in big trouble. Like, why? That 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 doesn't need to be said. There's no need for that to be in there, That that entire little what two or three lines could be absolutely cut out and replaced with him going, thank goodness the Avengers stepped in to show that that footage was a fake and, you know, la la la. The happy thing never amounts to anything ever after. It's it's pointless and a waste of our time. And that's, you know, 10 seconds of my life um, that, you know, I didn't need to spend on that line. So and, and so I just would have liked just a little bit more rigor in that one getting them out of jail free scene you know the interrogations were fun but you know they weren't really necessary we'll talk about that another time because uh, time is against us and I, I want to talk about that I want to talk about the Charlie Cox scene I want to talk about the fact that I, I you know there's been such applause for Charlie Cox showing up as Matt Murdock in this movie both times that I've missed all the legal legalese that he says to to Peter and Happy <laughs> so uh, that's maybe one of the reasons why uh, I a keen legal mind didn't understand everything that was said in that scene there's loads of stuff to talk about we haven't even talked about Aunt May we haven't talked about a lot of the villains uh, or Ned being magic Loads and loads of stuff, but uh, I think on that note, that is going to be it for this first hit of Spider-Man No Way Home. Spoiler goodness. Uh, Join us next time for part two, which is going to involve these same three colleagues of such lethal cunning. Squadcast names, Peter Four. It's Ben Travis. Flip. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) It is goodbye from Spider-Man Home Run. I'm on Mormon. Peace. I just want to say, I love you guys. <laughs> thanks. Oh, thanks. Yeah. That's really, oh God. Okay. Uh, <laughs> it's goodbye from, this is a bit of an immodest boast, Helen. I'm a really good lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> it was either that or just a tree, man. Yeah, just a tree. It's Too just lovely. a tree. Yeah, totally. Uh, Helen, of course, is also like Sandea in this movie, an excellent barista. Uh, it is goodbye from me, May Day. Oh, May. Oh. oh, Aunt May. Oh, we will talk about you and pay tribute to you next time. There'll be lots of stuff to cover in part two. And hey, you know what, guys? We should probably talk about portals. Thank you for listening. See you next time. Bye. Bye.